You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today we're very excited to have a special guest speaker with us. Now let's prepare our hearts as our special guest brings forth God's truth from His Word today. Well, it's good to be back with you tonight. It's been uh, been quite a while since we've been here. Um, we are enjoying the ministry down in Ohio. We're about an hour from Columbus, and uh, it's a great place to live. Uh, only I don't understand why they got um, four or five inches of snow today, and there's no snow up here, but that's okay. We'll, we'll enjoy the, the non-snow area up here. We've been preaching through and just finished up the book of James on Sunday morning, and of course, in James, if you're familiar with it, and I'm sure that you are, uh, it talks about trials that we go through. And I don't know whether any of you here have ever had a trial in your life <laughs> or a crisis or turmoil in your life. But um, I don't know, I, I, I don't believe that there is a better analogy of what a trial feels like than being stuck in a boat out in the midst of the sea with no escape while the wind is blowing and the waves are billowing and everything feels like it is out of control. And there is no better picture, I believe, of what Jesus is to those who trust him in times of trials than what we find in the book of Matthew in chapter 14. Tonight we're going to study uh, that passage. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn there. And as we study our passage tonight, I want you to keep in mind the particular trial that you might be going through right now. I don't want you to be thinking about somebody else. I don't want you to be thinking about uh, other things. I want you to think about your own trial, your own crisis, your own turmoil that you are facing in your life. And my hope is that as a result of our time together tonight, you will be inspired to keep Jesus ever before you in that particular trial and to allow him to be all that he desires to to be in you in the midst of the trial or crisis that you're going through in your life. There are at least nine very valuable principles about our Lord Jesus Christ in the passage that we're going to look at together tonight. And those principles, I believe, teach us certain things that we need to know about Jesus Christ while we are going through our own particular time of trial. Now, before we really get into the, 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 the core of the, the text, I want to establish a little bit of, uh, of a context here for us. In this part of the Gospel of Matthew, our Lord has been through a set of trials uh, all his own. We don't often think about Jesus going through trials. We think of him as being the Son of God, which he is, but he was also fully man. And we know that he had trials, and we know that, that there were times that he was sad and, and different things that he went through. And so we see that he had his own trials here. In the beginning of chapter 14, we are told that John the Baptist had been imprisoned and then brutally murdered by King Herod Antipas. We are told in verse 13, when Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. I can't help but think that our Lord just needed to get away because he was grieved at the loss of John. 
Now, of course, being fully God, he knew that he would see him in glory and all of that. But here was a, here was a man that he loved dearly and meant a lot to him. A man whose ministry on earth was what paved the way for the Lord Jesus Christ. If you remember, it was John the Baptist who first pointed to Jesus and declared to the world, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. But then another trial came. His time of getting uh, away was cut short. The multitude discovered where he was, and so they gathered around him in great numbers, the scripture says. He never, he never turned them away, though. Even though he, he needed that time of grieving, that time of part, and that time with the Father, when the people came, he had compassion for them, and he didn't turn them away. He loved them, and he welcomed all of those who sought him. And so he taught them, and he ministered to their needs. And by the end of that day, the, the people that had gathered around him, they were very hungry. And so it was then that we find the miracle, the feeding of the multitude with just the five loaves of bread and the two small fish. And even though he needed some time to himself, he nevertheless was compassionate and giving towards those who sought him, even in a vast crowd of hungry people. And then yet came another trial right after that. The Gospel of John tells us that when the people saw how he was able to make such a great feast out of, of just a few scraps of food, he perceived that they were about to take him by force and make him king. That, however, was not why he came into the world. And so he came, of course, to die on the cross for our sins, not to become an earthly political leader. And that's why we, we read the words that we find then in Matthew chapter 14 and verse 22. It says, in straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitude away. I share, I share all of that, all of the trials, everything that Jesus went through in the first 21 verses there um, to highlight an important point. And that point is, is that our Lord knows what it feels like for you and me to go through trials in our life. He understands crisis. He understands uh, the, 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 the feelings that we have and the pain and the suffering and all of that. He is a compassionate Savior and a high priest who, as the Bible tells us, was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. And so he's able to help us in our times of trials, in our times of temptations, our times of testings, because he himself has experienced those kind of times in our life. Oftentimes when we find ourselves in a trial or a crisis or there's turmoil, we, we try to seek help in many different ways. Sometimes we even push away a little bit from God because, you know, we have all this turmoil going on in our life. When the thing that we need to remember in the midst of our trial is that he has compassion and he cares for us and he understands exactly what we are going through. And so we are told that Jesus straightway 
Or in other words, immediately he sent his disciples away by boat. In fact, the text tells us that he constrained them or or compelled them to go while he sent the multitude away. And Matthew even tells us very clearly that they were to go before him unto the other side. And so what that tells us is that Jesus was planning to be with them on the other side. He put them in the boat and sent them over, but he was going to be over there with them on the other side. So he had no no intention not to be there, but he said, you need to go away. And he constrained them. By the way, he doesn't, uh, you know, why he didn't just get in the boat and go with them um, to the other side. It's a curious thing. People look at that and they wonder, why didn't he just let the crowd dispense on their own and climb into the boat and travel along? It certainly would have saved the poor disciples a great deal of of anguish. It would have saved them a great deal of trouble in the midst of the storm. But Jesus compelled them to get in the boat and to go to the other side, knowing full well that they would not be able to get to the other side on their own knowing that they would have struggles along the way and they would strive frustratingly for the whole night through until he finally came to them. Jesus knew all of that. And this, I believe, leads us to the first great principle about Jesus that we find in the story that we need to keep in mind in the midst of our trial, and that is that no trial ever comes into our lives without his full knowledge and permission. There is no trial. You understand, there are no mistakes. There are no, there's nothing that happens in our life that God said, oh, I didn't notice that thing coming. He knows all about it. He, he, he either allows them to come, his permissive will, or whatever it is, but there is nothing that he doesn't know about ahead of time. And so that trial that you are going through, the turmoil that is happening in your life right now, whether it's a matter of financial or material needs or a challenge to your health or the health of someone that you love or a battle over a sinful habit or a practice in your life or someone else's life or a relational loss or a time of emotional testing or struggle is, is something that our Lord already knew about well in advance. He knew exactly what you're going to be going through. He knows what you're going through right now and he knew before it ever happened what you were going to be going through. And so it is, it is, in fact, something that he has allowed by himself in uh, full accord with his permissive will in order to serve his good and sovereign purposes in your life. Now, that doesn't make the trial any less a trial, of course. But I do believe that it makes it into something in which we can confidently trust him. And even something that we can even rejoice in. Because we know that our loving Heavenly Father has a purpose for the trial that I'm going through. He knows exactly what's happening. He knew it was going to happen in my life. He allowed it to happen because he's got a purpose that will bring him glory and that will strengthen us in our life. And so through that, we can have that time of rejoicing. 
It could never have come our way unless it was first something that he, in his perfect wisdom and sovereign love, knew that we needed. James said, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, lacking nothing. So then Jesus purposely sent his disciples away to go through a time of testing, a time of trials, a time that he knew would serve his good purpose in their lives. And so it's important for us to be able to really, really understand that. And, and in doing this, he himself never abandoned them. Look at what it tells us in verse 23. Verse 23 says, And when he had sent the multitude away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray, and when the evening was come, he was there alone. Now, there are several high places in that surrounding area in which one could set and easily see the entire Sea of Galilee. And I am certain that as Jesus sat and prayed, he could clearly see his disciples out in the boat throughout that evening. He could, he could see what they were going through. He even watched them as they, as they rowed hard and they strained and they struggled for hours upon the sea, seeming to get nowhere. And yet he was not in the boat with them. He was all alone on the mountain. And it says that he was praying, praying to the Father. What do you suppose he was praying about? He sent the disciples away for a test. He sent them out on the sea and knew that they were going to struggle. He was up there in the mountain, could easily see them. As for me, I, I believe that he was praying for them. Perhaps he was praying that they would endure through the trial that, that he had sent them out to experience. Perhaps he was praying that their faith in him would not fail them. Perhaps he was praying that they would learn all that they needed to learn about himself from the, the miraculous experience that they were about to have with him. They had no clue what Jesus was going to do in the hours to, that were about to unfold, but Jesus knew what was going to happen. And so here is yet another principle that I believe that, that we need to keep in mind about our Lord, and that is, is that he is faithful to intercede for us during our times of testing. Just think about that. In the midst of your trial and crisis and heartache that you're going through, whatever that particular trial may be, Jesus has you constantly in his view from his place at the right hand of God the Father. Your growth and your maturity through the trial that he is allowing you to experience is a continual concern to his heart. And he prays for you in the midst of that trial. Isn't that a tremendous thought? That right now, Jesus is praying for me? You know, we have spent time praying for others and interceding for them and crying out to God, but here is Jesus in the midst of my trial, feeling the pain and everything that I am going through, and he's talking to the Father, strengthen them. 
Help them to get through this. Help them to look to me in even a greater way. And so he's praying for us. And so then while he was away from them, I, I believe that he was looking on to where they were and he was praying for them, but he didn't stay away from them very long. He eventually made his way to them in verse 24 and, and 25 tells us, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea tossed with waves for the wind was contrary in the fourth watch of the night. Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. The fourth watch of the night would have been around three in the morning and that would have meant that they might have been rowing and straining against the wind and the waves for as much as eight hours. That would have been an agonizingly long time to row against the rough waters. And they, no doubt, were exhausted. They were probably extremely frustrated. They might even been a little bit fearful of the trial that they were going through. They might even been wondering, well, where is Jesus? Why did he let us go out here alone? Why did he allow us to go through this? Why isn't Jesus here with us? Not thinking that Jesus was praying for them. Then Jesus, while they are struggling, he goes walking to them. What a, what a picture that passage gives to us. They are struggling and they are striving against the wind and the waves, but the wind and the waves don't affect him at all. It is so amazing when we look at our lives here on earth and the things that we go through, it seems like there is so much chaos, it seems like there's so much trial, it seems like things are totally out of control, but then when we get a picture of Jesus, it is complete calm and peace and everything is in control. And so Jesus simply strolled above the turmoil of the sea. I don't have a picture in my mind of Jesus struggling and weaving and, and going down and back up as the waves were going up and down or jumping from one wave to the other. When I see Jesus walking on the waters, I see him walking across the top in complete calmness. I think that he walked in perfect calmness and peace to his disciples in their time of need. And I think this teaches us another thing that we should remember about Jesus in our times of trial, and that is he will always remain supreme over the things that test and, and, and trouble us. And those things, they may affect us, but they don't affect him at all. When we keep our eyes on him, we're looking unto the one who is above all of the turmoil and all the crisis and all the troubles and all the, the chaos of this life. Now there's an interesting thing that we're told at this point in another one of the Gospels. We are told in the Gospel of Mark that Jesus came walking to them and would have passed them by. And I don't, I don't at all want to sound irreverent, but I see a little bit of humor in that. The disciples, they're struggling and they're striving. And he was intending to just calmly rock right on past them like there's no problem. That would be a great picture of how supreme he is over the circumstances of our life. 
We get our eyes focused on the circumstances and the troubles and the trials and all of the heartaches and all of that. And Jesus is walking along. And oftentimes we don't even look to Jesus and say, Jesus, can you just come over here and help me right now? And he would have just passed them by. He wasn't going to barge in on them. He wasn't going to force himself upon them. But he was there. In all of the calmness and in all of the peace that he has. And how he waits for us to call to him. In our times of trials. As it turned out, he... He didn't walk past them in our text. Matthew tells us in verse 26 and 27, it says, And straightway Jesus spake unto them, or 26, And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear, but straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. The original languages focuses more on a phrase that isn't quite as clear there, but would have been extremely clear to those Jewish disciples. Be of good cheer, I am. Do not be afraid. I am was a phrase that they would have been extremely familiar with. They were the words by which God identified himself to Moses at the burning bush. When Moses said, who will I tell them has sent me? And God said, I am. It was the covenant name of God to his chosen people. His ever sufficient promise keeping name. And so Jesus was declaring himself to be their divine Lord and master even as he was proving it to them by walking in calmness above the turmoil of the sea. And here I suggest that we find yet another lesson about Jesus to keep in mind in this time of trial. Number four, he he will come at just the right time to encourage us with himself. Note that Jesus didn't simply come to them and say, be of good cheer, don't be afraid, everything's going to work out, just hang in there a little bit, toughen up, you know, just just buck up a little bit and everything's going to be okay. No, instead he made himself the essential part of the encouragement. He was saying to them, it is I, the great I am, is here. And I believe those moments when in the midst of our trials that we suddenly are reminded of Jesus as our helper and friend, those are key moments in our life. We, we have to be sure to do the right thing in those moments. And the right thing to do is to draw closer to him. Sometimes, though, what we do instead is we retreat further in the wrong direction. Maybe we roll up into a little ball, as it were, and lie down in the bottom of the boat in our misery and hope that sooner or later this misery, this pain, this suffering is going to pass. Or maybe we clutch to the side of the boat and we scream in fear. Or sometimes we even try to find some other way to escape from the painful reality of the trials that we are going through. But there really, are no, there really are no places to go in order to escape from those trials. We have to go through them. 
And yet Jesus holds out his hand to each one of us in the middle of the trial and the suffering and the heartaches that we're going through. And he invites us to venture out to where he is in calmness to get out of the turmoil, to, get, to, to come and walk with him and experience the calmness and the fact that he's sovereign and he's in control. Now look what happened to Peter in verse 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And Jesus said, come. He said, come. And I believe that this teaches us yet another thing about our our Lord Jesus in times of trials. In the midst of the trials that we are going through, he invites us to step out in faith to where he is. To step out of our circumstances and the things that are weighing us down and the things that are troubling our heart and and the pain that we're going through. And to step out in faith and walk in perfect calmness with him. What a great lesson this is. When that time of trial has come into your life, there's not any way around it. It is our Lord's sovereign hand and you are meant to go through it. And so you can't go over it. You can't go under the trial. You can't go around the trial. You can't do a U-turn and say, let's just back up life a little bit. How much... Nicer it would be to just go back to another time when everything was happy and everything was was pleasant. There's no way through it but through it. And yet we don't have to be afraid of going through it because right in the middle of it is where Jesus himself is. Right there. Take my hand. Walk with me. And if we will seek him in it, he will invite us to come to him where he is. There's safety. There's stability. It's above all of the turmoil and the crisis. How important it is that you and I do as Peter did. And we call out to Jesus in the midst of our trial. And we come joyfully to him at his invitation. It becomes the richest and the deepest time of fellowship that we can ever have with him, that we've ever experienced. When we come out of the depths of the trials and the heartaches and all of a sudden we are with Jesus and there's peace and calmness and fellowship. It's really sad that Peter had gotten such a bad rap at this point in the story. (laughs) I mean, he's often criticized for not having enough faith to keep walking on the water. But I think we should remember that it was only Peter that got out of the boat. I think Jesus, when he said, come, I don't think he was just talking to Peter. Because you see, all of the disciples were struggling. All of them were going through a trial. All of them were trying to make it to the other side. And I think Jesus said, come, come. But Peter gets out of the boat and the rest of them stay stay in the boat. Matthew tells us in verse 29 to 30 that things were fine for a while. 
Verse 29, and he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And he began, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. I think that Peter's prayer here is one of the greatest prayers in, in, in all the Bible. And the reason I think it's the greatest prayer is because I can remember that one. <laughs> That's an easy one. You know, the prayer of Jabez and some of the others, they're a little hard to get. But this prayer, Lord, save me. How many times in my life has I cried out for God to save me? How many times have you cried out? It's easy to remember. But it also helps us to to communicate one of the most important lessons that we can learn about Jesus in our trial, and that is so long as we keep our eyes on him, we will stay above all of the trial, all of the turmoil of our trial. Our great downfall usually comes from doing what Peter did, doesn't it? We take our eyes off of Jesus, and we put them instead on the circumstances of our trial. We look at what we're going through. And I believe that the best way to keep our eyes on Jesus is through prayer. We keep in communication with Jesus every step of the way in our trial by talking to him continually. And Jesus proved faithful when Peter called out to him. Verse 31 tells us, And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? I believe that in those words we can see what the real problem was. The Lord's gentle rebuke shows that, Peter, that, that, that Peter's turning away was a matter of doubt in his life. He had seen Jesus walking on the water. He'd even heard Jesus giving him an invitation to come. He'd even experienced getting out of the boat and walking on the water, walking above the turmoil of the sea towards Jesus for a little distance. But then he took his eyes off Jesus and he started looking at the circumstances again. And he saw the wind and he saw the waves and, he, and, and, and failed to believe that Jesus was superior over the turmoil of the sea. We all fail at times just like that. We might be walking with Jesus for a while, but then for some reason we begin to look at the circumstances again. And it has a way of sucking us down into the midst of the turmoil. What a wonderful thing that thing it is that Jesus stretches out his hand and he caught, G- he caught Peter before he ever went under. And so here we see yet another great lesson about our Lord in the time of trials. Number seven, even when our faith falters, we can trust him to uphold us and keep us. Our beloved Savior left the glory of heaven to come to this earth in order to die for us and to redeem us. And so he's never going to let those that the Father have given to him to slip out of his hand. Even when they stumble and even when they falter in life. And now verse 32 tells us that, that Peter and the Lord got back in the boat. I thought about that a little bit and I thought, how do you suppose that happened? 
Do you think Jesus just simply grabbed a hold of Peter and just trolled him back to the boat, letting him, you know, in the water as they went back? I don't think he picked him up and gave him a piggyback ride. I think that when he took his hand, that Peter walked above the turmoil of the sea with Jesus. He walked above the turmoils of life. Our wonderful Lord and Master is the gracious giver of do-overs. And take careful notice of what it says in verse 32. And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. It didn't cease when he took Peter by the hand. It didn't stop until they got into the boat. You realize what that means? It means that the storms of life are under our Lord's control at all times. He could have made the storm stop the moment Peter started to sing. He could have stopped the storm and picked him up and they walked on on the calmness of the water. Long before the disciples would have ever spent all that time struggling, he could have stopped the storm. Made the waves and the wind cease. But you realize if that had happened, they never would have learned the lesson that he wanted to teach them. And so here's another thing that we must remember about our Lord in our own particular trials. In time, he will demonstrate to us that he was in control of the, t- of the trial all along. He was in control. Our trials will come only when he sees that it needs to come. And it will do- endure for only as long as he designs for it to endure. And it will cease precisely when he declares that it is time for it to cease. And not a second too early and not a second too late. We can trust that his perfect timing and his wise determination with respect to every trial that he calls us into is absolutely what we need in life. And we must not forget the last point because in some ways it is the most important one for us to grasp. We're told that once our Lord and Peter had entered into the boat and once the wind and the waves had ceased and once all had become calm then. And this is a great principle for us to remember. And it shows us, I believe, why it is that we must learn to trust Jesus in the trials that he allows to come into our lives. Why is it that, that we must keep him ever in, in the forefront of our, of our, of our eyes during the t- difficult times of life? Because the end result of trusting Jesus in our trial will be that we will worship him and know him. In verse 33, and when they were in the ship, uh, and when they that were in the ship came and worshiped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. May I say to you tonight that your trial that you are undergoing was never meant to teach you how to stand on your own two feet in independence from Jesus. If that 
were to ever happen, then your trial would be a horrible failure. A far worse failure than sinking in the storm could ever be. Because you see, the real purpose of your trial is to teach you who Jesus Christ is to you. And to show you how desperately you need him. And to help you grow in your confident faith and and, and that nothing is impossible for him. Nothing. And finally, to lead you to open your mouth and worship him and praise him for who he is. And that is why we need those trials. That is why we need those testings in our life. Anything that make us worship him and know him better is a great blessing. Let's pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.